today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Let's talk about these variants uh, that seem to be dominating everybody's uh, concerns these days, and I think justifiably so. Uh, the country's chief public health officer says the COVID-19 variant started uh, with just a few travel-related cases, but now Director, Dr. Teresa Tam says they're in all 10 provinces. More worrisome is that at least four provinces are reporting evidence of community spread and outbreak activity associated with these fastest-spreading variants. The rapid rise of cases in a previously well-controlled situation in Newfoundland and Labrador is a testament to how quickly things can change when more contagious variants are introduced. Uh, concerning, you bet it is, and uh, maybe the, the best example of just how quickly this can spread uh, is the numbers that we're seeing from Newfoundland, uh, which is uh, causing a great deal of concern with health officials there. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Dr. Lisa Baird, an infectious disease specialist at Dalhousie University. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Oh, nice, nice of you to have me on. On your birthday, I hear. On your birthday, I hear. <laughs> we, sh- we share the 17th of February. Happy birthday to you, too. And you. All right, let's, let's talk a little bit about the numbers here. And, and I'll, I'll ask you the same question that we've talked to a number of different ep- epidemiologists over the last couple of days about this. And this has gone from, oh, isn't that uh, odd that the, we knew there could, could be variants, uh, but this B117 variant that originally uh, originated, I, I guess, in the U.K., uh, it seems to be spreading like wildfire. How concerned are you? Well, anytime there is viral spread and the virus has now demonstrated both in the lab and in the population that it spreads more quickly, that's always concerning, particularly if it's a respiratory virus, particularly a respiratory virus that spreads before symptoms are apparent. That's a recipe for a really big upsurge of cases, whichever of the variants you're talking about, because they all seem to share, at least at this point, that characteristic of increased transmission. And, and as we see these numbers, I mean, the, well, the, the numbers in Newfoundland, exactly, uh, 298 cases uh, tied to B117 variant originating in Britain, and it's apparently skyrocketed in the last couple of days. Yep, absolutely. They've gone from pretty much zero and one up to just over at 1.300 active cases. Uh, and certainly there's still a lot more case investigation to go on with public health. So they're still in the process of actively testing people who may have been exposed and or tracking down some of the cases and clusters in their communities. And so it really is a little bit of a natural experiment. Almost everywhere else in the world had two types of virus at least circulating at the same time. There, it was pretty clear that there wasn't other virus around beforehand, and you get to see the pure impact of this particular variant on a population of people who generally were susceptible. There weren't many cases there before, so most people would have been um, not immune for sure and not exposed, and then you just see what happens. It's a natural experiment, unfortunately, um, that this is what happens with these variants, and, you know, they have pulled back a bit, and appropriately so, on their restrictions. But just to be clear, if you pull back on your restrictions, you don't have a lot of testing in place, and you have large groups of people, and this variant comes along, it doesn't matter if you were zero yesterday, you'll be several hundred or more into the thousands in more densely populated places very quickly. 
Doctor, if, I'm glad you brought that up about the isolation here and, and the, the COVID-19 that we are, we're used to because we've been living with it for over a year now. And then this variant, and there are, there's more than one, obviously, but we'll, we'll focus on the B117 for now uh, because that's the one that seems to be spreading through Newfoundland these days. But for uh, is, it, is it difficult to... to, to to be able to diagnose one from the other, if somebody shows up with symptoms, can you say, "Oh, that's the variant," or "No, that's the, that's 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 the COVID nineteen virus"? Can, can you tell? Is there something there that, that tells a story for you? Well, um, some of the tests that are used to diagnose this particular variant um, have difficulty picking up one of the so-called targets, the spike protein. Um, and so, if you're using a lab assay that relies on uh, the spike protein identification as one of the two things you identify, then you can tell a little more quickly before it goes for full sequencing in main labs, which takes some time. But clinically, or more importantly for the population, how they feel, you really can't tell the difference. At least at this point, it does seem that although the symptoms may occur a little faster, um, really you cannot tell as an individual person or as an individual doctor whether this is a variant or not. But the question is, is that really important at an individual person level? Because right now, the advice, the best advice is the same in terms of distancing, hand washing, masking, and other prevention for either of the variants or the original. See, uh, and we already know that. I mean, that, that protocol has been established, you know, the face masking and getting tested, obviously. But as you say, if you're in a lockdown mode, as Newfoundland is right now, uh, that's going to be more and more difficult. So how difficult is it going to be for the, the healthcare officials there to be able to track whether this is getting better or worse? Yeah, it, it's, it's really tough. Uh, the public health uh, folks there on the front lines are doing a great job. Uh, hope I don't know how many people had downloaded the COVID Alert app to help them in their, uh, in their efforts. Um, so hopefully lots of people have, but it is really difficult. And guess what? It still relies on people being forthcoming about their contacts and their whereabouts in order for this contact tracing to work. And so hopefully there's not too much stigma in the area where people feel that they would be targeted or identified by you know, being honest about their contacts and, and who they've been around. Contact tracing can't work unless people actually say where they've been and who they've been with. Well, and, and that's unfortunate because, I mean, I'm still hearing that, and I'm sure you are too, Doctor. There's still a segment of the population that's, that, that hold on to these Orwellian myths, you know, that uh, that's Big Brother, that getting that information, et cetera. This is, it's trying to track the, the, the virus, basically. I mean, this is, this is a public health issue, and it's for everybody's good. Absolutely, and people are starting to understand that um, this is all part of a bigger picture as well. Um, As we go forward and learn how to do safer COVID living, we can't all stay inside all the time. But if we add into our usual toolbox lots of testing, the other thing that that does, if we add in testing at high levels for everyone, we recommend everyone get routinely tested if it's available to them, you get rid of that targeted feeling that only those who are risky or rule breakers or sick get tested. If we, if we actually expand testing in the communities to include people without symptoms, we can actually help to get rid of some of that stigma that's out there as well. How do you, let's 
use a borrow phrase that we've been using for a year now about flattening the curve in a situation like this where it's spreading so rapidly they've gone into lockdown and we we can talk about the efficacy of that and i know it's frustrating for an awful lot of people uh but it does seem to indicate that the numbers go down simply because we're not socializing as much uh, as we would if we were, quote unquote, living a normal life, which we haven't done for so long right now. But is is there another protocol? Is there something else that has to happen besides that, besides just lock your doors and, and, and don't socialize for the next however many weeks it might be? Yeah, I think I think the key core part here is that if a region or a community is in an outbreak situation, that is the key and core part of stopping this virus. It's not a jumping virus, going back to terms we used at the beginning. It's not the jumping virus. So if you stay away from people for the two incubation periods, at least right now, we've watched this work all around the world. When you truly do a lockdown, a real one, then this works in the context of an outbreak. After that, you know, we can't all stay home forever. And then it becomes putting people together in smaller groups with reliable, moderate-sized bubbles that keep people together, making sure you're testing lots at your borders, keeping quarantine where it's possible. And again, testing and masking are going to be big parts of our lives for a long time, even with the other V, the the vaccine for the virus. Um, It's going to be a while before that's going to be something we can rely on entirely to fix outbreaks like the one in Newfoundland. And because the numbers here, they, they do tell a story, and you're right. I mean, uh, to go back to the first wave again, I mean, places like New Zealand and Australia and, and Hong Kong uh, did what a lot of people considered to be draconian measures to do this, but they essentially got rid of the virus altogether. Now, I don't know how the, this, this third wave, this variant may impact them, but it, it certainly proved effective. And that's, I'm sure you've heard, Doctor, the debate we're having here in Ontario right now. Uh, they just released the numbers uh, right uh, this morning, just as we were coming on the air. And we've got the lowest number of new cases here since October, uh, which is great news. But the, the, you juxtapose that with the fact that just yesterday we came out of the lockdown, and now it's restaurants are going to be open again, within parameters, certainly. Uh, and now we're talking about this variant that's coming up, and we figured, was this really the right time to say, okay, you can open the doors again? Uh, I, I think it, it's a debate we have to have here. But, you know, if that was effective, and now there's a possibility of a third wave, uh, maybe we're getting a little too sure of ourselves. I, I actually don't think there's much debate about that, to be honest. Um, I mean, I won't speak about the political side of things. Politics and economics don't belong in outbreak management in a pandemic. We ha- And I do recognize public health and mental health needs. But the take-home message is, if you want to stop a highly transmittable and even more transmittable virus from going from person to person, you have to wait to have social gatherings and social public settings with people with their masks off, like bars and restaurants and gyms, that has to wait until your cases are very low or near zero for the regions where the cases are high. That might not be the whole province, but in areas where the cases are still high, the seven-day average is high, that reproductive number that we look at is, a, is near one, you can't open things because your virus will come back. This is not rocket science. And in fact, I would say there's no debate around this. It's not the time to open things up. All and, and I agree with you to- totally. I mean, but I've been 
chastised and vilified and you know tarred and feathered by some of the listeners because I've maintained that I'm not so sure. And and look at I I I understand the pain here. I mean, you know, I've been working from home since well March 15th of last year, and I get that. And and you know, we don't go to restaurants. I mean, we we get takeout, we do all these sorts of things. It 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 is wearing on people. I understand that. But the, this you've got history here, and the it, I know the politicians all say, well, we're listening to the medical experts. Uh, I'm not sure that they are. I mean, you know, there's, there's still a a cloak of secrecy that goes on here, and I, I understand. I, I I don't blame you for not wanting to mix politics and 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 medical science in situations like this. Uh, but sadly, those guys, those politicians, are the ones that are going to decide on the policy here. And I'm not so sure that they're. I, I'm sure they're getting the right advice. I'm not sure that they're listening to it, though. Well, I, I, and I will say, people tell me I'm biased because I'm from Nova Scotia, and, and we've done things a little differently here, and we are enjoying lots of liberties um, because we waited until we were close to zero for quite some time and stuck with our Q14 and we're doing a ton of testing. Um, but the take-home messages, <laughs> you know, I worry about people's mental health and, and lockdowns as well, and I know we can't stay in lockdown, but areas that have high numbers that open up will just watch their numbers go down and then go right back up again, period. So this is not about... Uh, anything other than pure numbers, support people in lockdown, support them appropriately, give them the tools they need to do this for four weeks, as opposed to doing this every three months for the next two years. It's going to be ridiculous, and it doesn't take much more. I, I think people can do it. I think Canadians can do it. And I don't think you need to lock down a whole province. You just need to look at the areas where the numbers don't meet the yardsticks for opening and keep them on lockdown a little longer. Then when you get to zero and you keep your border tight, you stay low. And done that in Nova Scotia. And I am biased because I live here, but helped out with some of the, you know, decision-making parts. I think uh, we've done pretty well, even though it's a smaller place, we've still done it well over time, even with opening up. Well, I, 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 we see that. And, and we know, we look at the numbers here in Ontario. I mean, there, there seem to be, basically the GTA, the Toronto area, uh, Peel and Durham region, in other words, around that area, uh, that's, those seem to be the hot spots. The rest of the province, yes, it's concerning. But my, my fear, I guess, is uh, if we say, oh, well, if the numbers start to go up again, we'll just go back into lockdown mode. We don't know uh, how quickly this can spread. We're getting a pretty good idea from the numbers we've seen so far. Uh, you know, the, you don't want to wait too long to, cl- to shut that door and say, okay, well, it worked last time, so it worked this time. This is a variation of, of the virus. We're not sure how quickly it's going to spread. It might be too late by the time we go into lockdown mode again. Well, it will be too late to, too late to stop something because yeah. every time we look at these numbers, we're looking in the rearview mirror, if you will. Yeah. Yesterday's news, and we all know about yesterday's news, it's old, and it doesn't necessarily apply to today. That's one thing I know about the news cycle <laughs> that I've become <laughs> very familiar with. And uh, we, can't, we can't just look at the old numbers. You have to look at what's around and be able to use a little bit of inductive thinking to say, if this is a variant that spreads more quickly, and these are the number of cases and this is our reproductive number, our seven-day average, our number of cases, then clearly, if we open up 
we're going to have trouble very quickly. So um, I think a little bit of predictive thinking would be very helpful here. And I know some of your medical experts in Ontario are definitely recommending that, um, as they should. And hopefully people can listen because what what populated areas do in Ontario matters to the rest of us as well. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Doctor, uh, a pleasure having you back in the program today. Thanks so much for this and for your perspective on this. And uh, enjoy the rest of your birthday. Yeah, and you. Ed, thanks for having me on. Take care. Thanks again. Dr. Lisa Barrett, of course, from Dalhousie University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.